It is Thursday, the 8th of July, 2021. The Tampa Bay Lightning are your Stanley Cup champions, and you're listening to the Handsome Genius Club Radio Show. Hey kids, welcome to the show. My name is Kingdom, Anthony Kingdom James. And uh, yeah, I have been really lax with uh, with the podcast lately. I've been taking kind of a break. It's been nice. I, I felt uh, I felt a pressure that, you know, absolutely it's me putting it on myself to do shows. And when I'm feeling a little drained, like last year, remember last year I did the show five days a week regardless and uh, there are a couple of shows in there where I'm sure you could feel that my energy was lagging. Um, and this year, having reduced it to three shows, Monday and Thursday, uh, on, you know, uh, handsomegeniusclub.com and uh, iTunes and Stitcher and, and, and Google and uh, Spotify, and Fridays exclusively on patreon.com. Um, I felt there was some room there uh, the last few weeks, Mondays and Thursdays, to take a break. Uh, I've continued with the Friday show because, hey, it's my Patreons. They're subscribers. They're, they're, they're paying for this. So there is an obligation to people there. And uh, I have to take a moment. I almost forgot to do this. To welcome aboard some new subscribers um, I think last week on Friday we talked. I, I, on that show I mentioned Clay Wilson, uh, Clay who uh, came into the poker game on Twitch last week and kicked the teeth down our throats. <laughs> Absolutely uh, swept the table last week. Um, <sighs> God damn you, Clay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then on the weekend, we also had uh, Justin Zane and uh, James Weber, Chops, who uh, finally joined the Patreon. And uh, welcome aboard to all three of you. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to pick up the pace again. I'm actually waiting. You know what? I should, I should check my email. Um, more than once over the last year and a half, I have mentioned the name, uh, Paula Fletcher, and she is my city counselor. Um, oh, I do have, holy crap. Um, wow. Uh, she's my city counselor and I, uh, have spoken glowingly of her. Now I'm thrown off because I just got a glimpse of this email. I sent a request to her to uh, see about doing an interview. And um, man, I wish I had checked my this email about 12 hours ago. Um, they have said that she's available today between 1230 and 3 p.m. Um, uh 
wow, okay, so as soon as I finish recording this, I have to reply to this email and hope it's not too late. Um, I want to talk to her about, they want to know the topics. I want to talk to her about uh, a huge transit project that's uh, coming through this neighborhood and what uh, both above and below ground construction are going to do uh, to home values and, and, and you know, the, the ability for people to sell their homes if they want to in this neighborhood. Um, how long she thinks it's actually going to take, considering all the extra time that's been tacked on to other Toronto Transit Commission projects in the last couple of years. Uh, I want to talk to her about um, the spate of renovations that have happened in, in not just this area, but Toronto as, um, uh, as people renovate to get rid of, uh, tenants and then jack up the prices on those apartments. There's, there's some of that going on on my street and I want to know what she thinks about that. I want to ask her about being the leader of the communist party uh out west in her youth because that's one of the that really is one of the things that absolutely swayed me to vote for her because i i knew that she was going to be interested in uh in people in seeing to the needs of her constituents as opposed to um people who i think have just been elected to office to further business interests or I don't know, pat themselves on the back and done nothing. My previous city councilor, I never heard a peep out of her in the years that I was living here and she was, uh, and she was on city council. I, you, I wouldn't have known she existed if her face hadn't been on like the occasional local business poster, uh, a poster in the occasional local businesses window. Um, no idea what she did before we got Paula Fletcher. Uh, thank goodness for Paula Fletcher so far. Um, yeah. So, you know, and some, and some, some, some COVID stuff. I'll, I'll ask her. I'll throw her some softball questions about, uh, vaccine rollout and that kind of shit and what she thinks about the, the reopening process. Um, there's been some mayors in the uh, suburbs surrounding Toronto who have had differing opinions on speeding up the reopening process. Uh, Brampton wants it now. Mississauga, I think, is saying be cautious because the last thing we want to do is create a fourth wave. Uh, Surprising. Some of the countries that are... Like, I heard today that uh, South Korea is experiencing a fourth wave of COVID and that they've been very slow in um, in vaccinating their population. And uh, South Korea, for whatever reason, to me, struck me as a country that would be Johnny on the spot with getting people vaccinated. I mean, this, they had mobile mobile testing units, like drive-through, I should say, not mobile, but drive-through. Um, testing early on in the pandemic. So I thought they were on top of things, but, uh, you know, fourth wave, holy crap. Get your people vaccinated. Um, 
So yeah, I'm going to reply and hopefully conduct that interview uh, this afternoon and make it my, uh, it'll probably, I would probably make it my Monday episode. Uh, so getting back on track with the podcast, I haven't decided whether, oh God, Chloe's, a, Chloe's falling asleep up against the leg of, uh, the dining room table. <laughs> my little, my little furry friend is getting friendlier. Um, constantly harassing me for attention like she'll just if i come and sit down here at the desk she will she'll come down out of wherever she's sleeping and walk back and forth and and brush up against my uh my shins looking for a scratch and uh she's still oh she's out cold she still hates the air conditioner but she's she's managed to come in a few times with it on um uh Constantly, you'll never hear me say I'm, I'm unhappy that I got this cat. I was, I was worried early on. I was worried more than once that she wasn't going to, um, relax. She wasn't going to figure out that this was her home and she was safe and, and to get comfortable with it. But she is, she's still, she's not. Big on loud noises. They tested the fire alarms recently. That freaked her out. Fireworks. She she just sat underneath my desk for the evening on Canada Day. Um, occasionally I'll drop something and she'll run. <laughs> but she's getting uh, she's getting comfortable, more comfortable with each day, and that's great. I can I can occasionally scratch her tummy without getting. My hand amputated, which is good. I don't always get bitten if I scratch your tummy. <laughs> I love having a cat. Um, I'm sad that it took me so long to do it. Uh, what can I really tell you? Um, oh, Swear Trek. Aaron Reynolds, who was a guest on this show earlier in the year, um, the fine fellow behind Effin Birds online. You can find Effin Birds on Twitter, on Instagram, I believe on Snapchat. Um, you can definitely find it in bookstores as there are, uh, book and calendar and planner versions of, uh, Effin Birds as merch. Um, he also runs a, uh, a, a Twitter feed called Swear Trek, S W E A R underscore T R E K. He creates gifs, animated gifs from uh, from original series Star Trek episodes, and uh, and he and his writers put uh, put uh, curse words on them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So it's it's silent gifts with uh, dirty captions, re- repurposed Star Trek. It's hilarious. Well, um, he well we you know I mean we've become friends, we've become friendly at least, and he um, the he used the Star Trek uh, account on Twitter to follow me. If you're not following me, Twitter dot com slash my name is Kingdom, and um, 
So I followed him back. I followed Swear Trek back. I couldn't believe I wasn't already following Swear Trek, but this worked out. I followed him back and I, I tweeted in honor of Swear Trek following me. Here's a comic strip that I did. And it's the one of, uh, Kirk and Spock and McCoy where Spock goes into a long winded fucking diss of McCoy. He walks away. There's a panel of Kirk and Bones just standing there after Spock has walked off panel. And the final panel is Bones just saying, fuck that guy. <laughs> so I tweeted that out and Aaron retweeted it on the Swear Trek feed. And uh, lo and fucking behold, pardon my language, uh, it gets, it catches on like wildfire. It's got over 100 likes within the first 15 minutes. Um, and right now, it's been 29 hours. Yeah, like it's, it's under 30 hours, 29 hours. Actually, it's exactly 29 hours. Uh, and right now it has, uh, 195 retweets, 1093 likes. And, uh, if I click, click tweet activity, it has been, it has been seen 81,151 times in 29 hours. On top of that, I, I gained, as of this moment, I gained 84 followers. Do you know how, you know how big that is for me? 84 followers based on one retweet by SwearTrack. Holiest of moly's. This is, I mean, you know, the account is, it's got 152,000 followers. So for that many people to, uh, to get their eyes, 81,000 people out of there to get their eyes on a comic strip I drew and for so many of them to like it and for a bunch of them to follow me, that's, that's great. I got to lean into that shit. <laughs> I'm trying to build an audience so that I can translate it into Patreon subscribers and, you know, Kickstarter, uh, crowdfunding efforts. Yeah, so, I mean, in the end, at this point, it's all an effort to, um, build, <laughs> build an income that means I don't have to stay at the strip club. 20 years is enough, baby. Five years was enough. So, so thank you to Aaron Reynolds. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Um, let's see some nerd stuff. Uh, Tommy End showed up in AEW last night. Uh, early on in the show, the lights went out, and they said, "Oh, we've had some problems with the power here in Miami." That happened earlier today. And I told a couple of boys in, in, uh, my chat room, um, yeah, somebody's debuting. They're going to Sabu and they're going to Sabu somebody into the ring in the dark. And it turned out to be Tommy End, who's using the name Malachi 
black. So he went from Tommy End to joining the WWE and becoming Alistair Black and now joining AEW as Malachi Black. And you know what? I'll tell you what. This makes uh, Thea Trinidad returning to the WWE as Zelina Vega even more disappointing. Why couldn't she go to AEW with him? Uh, what did they not like about Zelina Vega? Or what did she not like about them? Why, why, why? Anyways. Uh, you know what? I mean, I don't want to speculate. Because I like both these people. Tommy and I've met. Uh, Zelina Vega I've never met. But Tommy and I met here at, at Superkicked in Toronto, and he was just a cool fucking guy. So, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to diss his wife. I just, creatively, I wish she had, uh, I wish she had been able to go to AEW. But for whatever reason, that didn't work out. Uh, I'm going to splice something into the show right now. I recorded earlier while it was still fresh in my head and, um, about, about letting creators create. So, uh, I'm going to take you to that right now. So Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, Wednesday morning, uh, Meg Wright, who is the, uh, comedy editor at Vulture and it's Split Cider. I don't know Split Cider. Had a story um, where she was talking about, um, I guess she was talking about Sam Richardson, the actor, who was talking about Tim Robinson, the comedian. And here's a passage. So, um, the only time I ever saw Tim doubt himself was his year at Saturday Night Live, where he was in the cast, says Richardson, who by this time was appearing on shows like The Office. Tim, the most confident, funniest person in the world, would call me on Saturday night or Sunday morning after the show, and he'd be like, I don't know, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. I was flabbergasted. What is this place if it could make Tim Robinson feel show text? Uh, Tim Robinson feel this way about himself and what he can do in comedy. Now, this article, this snippet of the article became important because comedian Kath uh, Barbadoro retweeted it with a comment, and our good friend Nugnar Gang retweeted that with a comment. <laughs> Let's start with Kath Barbadoro. She made a little thread out of it, and she said, Doing comedy and thus paying attention to who gets hired at SNL makes it abundantly clear very quickly that the reasons for SNL's problems are emphatically not with the people writing and performing the jokes. If you had the exact same writers and let them write sketches about whatever they wanted on a timeline more commensurate, with how other TV is produced, you would have an all-time classic show. I understand that the goal of SNL is not to create all-time classic sketch comedy or elevate the form or whatever. I'm just saying they have the talent there 
that they could do it if they wanted. And somebody replied to uh, Kath and said, Bob Odenkirk has said that Mr. Show was in large part a response to his years on SNL. So there's definitely a pattern of this. To which Barbadoro responded, the fact that, uh, that Tim Robinson's show and Mr. Show both consist of a bunch of stuff Lauren said, Lauren Michaels said no to is telling. And Mr. Show was 20 years ago. Imagine how much squandered gold there is there. And it's true. Saturday Night Live is not here as high art. It's not trying to elevate the game. It's just trying to crank out a product every week. And sometimes they hit a funny note. And a lot of times it's just... It's pablum. It's pap. It's... You know, it's it's plain white rice <laughs> next to your entree. Um, well, our friend Nug, he wrote a response to this saying that, uh, and let me see if I click back, will I find it? Oh, Twitter. Uh, let me get it because let's quote Nug accurately. Um, uh, let's see. He, oh yeah, a simple line. He said, just sub out SNL for wrestling company and a lot makes sense. And it's true. Uh, again, they're just cranking stuff out week after week and they're not trying to create anything great. They're occasionally hoping that something catches on and causes a stir and gets tweeted about. But they're not... These aren't... The, 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 the producers aren't there to create anything mind-blowing. They just want to get the show out. And, you know, it's it, it's very telling... That this week, again, WWE Raw hit a new all-time low in its viewership of 1.47 million. Which, I mean, if AEW hit 1.47 million right now, they'd be ecstatic. They're also less than two years into the life of their company, and... They're, you know, they're, they're starting from scratch. They started from scratch. Whereas the WWE for years was the only major product available. You know, Ring of Honor started to grow and it looked like maybe there's a shot at it. Uh, A&E, A&E, AEW is currently growing. Who knows what will happen five years down the road, 10 years down the road. Impact tried and missed the mark. They have better leadership now and are creating a better product, but uh I don't think I don't think that Impact has delusions of grandeur of uh you know sweeping across the the the, the wrestling landscape and <laughs> and fighting Vince McMahon, which is good. Don't have delusions of grandeur. 
create a good product and and service your your existing fan base and hopefully you know grow that existing fan base in uh, in bits and pieces and, and and in increments uh which it looks like they've been doing but none of these none of these companies WWE on three fronts think about it on three fronts Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Um, AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, even New Japan, who, you know, were steadily growing in the North American consciousness uh, before the pandemic hit. And now, you know, you're back, you're, you're really back to almost square one with that. None of them are creating anything so outrageous right now that it's going to take it's taking the entire world by storm. Uh and I've had conversations with more than one person about what's wrong with professional wrestling. And it's not always what's wrong with professional wrestling is but, but what does professional wrestling need right now? Uh do you do you look to older ways do you continue you know veering ahead on a new path and i don't think that i don't think that you that anybody has a, you know a clear idea that would change or grow or expand wrestling exponentially on a, a national or an international scale and I think it's down to, uh, I think it's down to individual, you know, small indie bookers and, and especially the wrestlers themselves to create and to draw fans in. Make, you've got to make yourself, as far as wrestling goes at this point, make yourself a draw. Do something different that makes you a draw and then let companies book you and proving that you're a draw, you can increase your, your asking price. Very few, very few places are ever going to be that kind of ECW vibe. I always call it where you know, the initials for the company are the drawing card. And it doesn't matter what you put out there. Fans are going to come because they see those three or four initials, right? I don't know. Th I, I, listen, this is this commentary on my part is completely, completely off the cuff. So maybe I'll talk myself into a circle here. Maybe I'm making sense to somebody, uh, but at the end of the day, what I think is important is, you know, the, the, the Barbadoro commentary was that the higher up the ladder you go on these, <laughs> on the, on, on, on a national wrestling company's, uh, uh, hierarchy chain of command, the less you're going to see somebody who's committed to change and innovation uh again with uh show text um and that 
the responsibility, the, the, the whole, not the responsibility, but the, if the, if the emphasis were put on letting writers loose and letting, uh, talent loose to create for those shows, you would see so much more. You would see so much more, uh, excitement and interest. But we have a place like the WWE who years ago, uh, you know, you, you talk Matt Cardona as Zack Ryder managed to get himself over on the internet on YouTube, the first wrestler to really do it. And it was innovation. And what did they do? They, they basically stomped out his, um, his drawing power like you would step on a cigarette on the sidewalk. It wasn't something that they did, so they stomped it out. They suppressed it. Look, at the end of the day, I'm not telling you not to watch WWE, not to watch AEW, not to watch Impact. Not, I, as a matter of fact, watch everything you can. If you love wrestling, watch everything. Don't watch as much as you can. Get out of it whatever you 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 can. I I hate I hate to see people who are like you know so uh so loyal to AEW that they reject WWE out of hand or they, I'm not watching I'm not watching that's not my company. I don't ah, fuck them. No. Watch it all. Watch as much as you can stomach. <laughs> you know? But at the same time, I'm a guy who can barely watch WWE anymore because it's just not doing anything that appeals to me. I watched a clip yesterday from NXT, from their Great American Bash, of uh, Top Dollar. And uh, I still want to call him Shane Strickland. Swerve uh, rapping, freestyling before, I guess, before their match. And it was fucking amazing. It was amazing. I didn't want it to stop. And I think that it's pretty well known or it's pretty it's it's widely perceived that. uh Talent in NXT, the booking is better in NXT, and talent in NXT might have uh, a little more free reign to create, especially in the ring. And of the three brands, of the three WWE brands, I'm more apt to watch NXT than Raw or SmackDown. But I, I just, I haven't lately. That's the kind of thing, seeing that clip online is the kind of thing that might get me to go back and watch the Great American Bash because, wow, what else did I miss? Give the performers room to perform. Give them room to create. Give the creative people room to create. If you are going to hire Sitcom writers who, like, if you're intentionally hiring somebody who does not know your product, 
what are you going to get out of them? But once you do hire them, then trust them. I mean, even the, even the writers who don't know the product should be able to uh, acclimate to it quickly and write for it. But are those people, those people are still having to submit their shit up the chain of command, ultimately, to Big Papa Vince. And if he doesn't like your, if he doesn't like the shit, it's not going to happen. So why'd you hire these people if you're not going to fucking let them create for you? Let them write. Ah, it's a big fucking mess. It's a big mess. But at the end of the day, you know, let creators create. And that's the beauty of the indies. I mean, it, you can you can stand out as a promotion uh, because you have the opportunity to put more creativity in your... I'm saying this to myself as well. In your wrestler's hands and see what they come up with. And, uh, and so I'm really looking forward to the Battle of Ontario tournament. <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm really looking forward to running another union, another weekend of union shows with, with the boot. Uh, our, uh, our, tournament our upcoming tournament we had to i've talked about it here on the show before we had to cancel it last march at the beginning of the pandemic we were going to run march 26th we had to cancel the show we're waiting until it's probably going to be this fall when we bring it back i want to uh i want to kickstart it get a crowdfunder with uh, i i've got a list that we're making of of really cool rewards i want to give something back to you what's the point of uh, running a crowdfunder for a creative project if there's not going to be cool rewards in return. You know, I don't want to just give you, oh, you get to watch the show. Well, yeah, you could have just bought a ticket to watch the show. If I'm going to ask you to help support the creation of the show, I'm going to give you more bang for that buck. I'm going to in on top of basically a pre-sale for the show i want you to get merch and sponsorship opportunities and meet and greets and all kinds of, i i don't want to give too much away because i've got some really fucking cool rewards that we're planning but you know ah i don't know wrestling is weird um at the end of the day, this boils down for comedy, for wrestling, for uh, for comic books, help for porn. Think about <laughs> think about something like OnlyFans, where if there's a personality that you like, you can support them directly. Okay, well. OnlyFans is an intermediary and they're taking a cut, but more or less directly. The same thing with Patreon. It's why one of the reasons I love Patreon so much because yeah, Patreon, the company is 
as a facilitator is getting a cut. But you can support me pretty much directly or Holden Albright or the Good Brother Morning Guys or Jamar Nicholas, comic book artist Jamar, uh, Jamar Nicholas or uh, Jade Chung or there's all these people that you can support directly through their Patreons and you don't have to worry about you, you, you can do away with whatever middle management and corporate structure and blah 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 that's affecting their creativity oh man just just create and find an audience anyways (laughs) the closer all of this is me it strikes a chord with me that the conversations on twitter yes uh yesterday wednesday struck a chord with me because i'm always interested in um uh shortening the path between creator and consumer and i don't just mean you know person shelling out money but who consumes the art who sees the the viewer and if you create comic strips or comic books or music or uh theater or you're a writer or you're a pro wrestler or you're a dancer or a rapper or whatever it is that you're creating i i love uh the the less interference there is between and it's signal interference is what it is the less signal interference that that there is between you and uh your audience the more pure that signal is the more of your unadulterated creativity they're getting the better and if they appreciate your art they appreciate what you're creating and in return they uh they patronize you they you know and and in that that classic middle ages renaissance uh era definition of being a patron of uh funding you so that you can continue to create for them all the better all the better that being said my name is uh kingdom on patreon patreon.com slash my name is kingdom <laughs> that's some long-winded shit <laughs> anyways uh what else here um uh, Black Widow. Oh my God! Black Widow opens tomorrow in actual theaters and on Disney Plus. I'm tempted to order it via Disney Plus, uh, just because you know I don't think movie theaters are open in in Ontario yet. They're not. Um, but uh, where? Oh, you know what? I had it open in a in a tab here and uh i know i i closed it for for other nonsense to look something else up um yeah but uh, black widow uh it's you know what i'm gonna go to it because there were some numbers in there that i wanted to quote 
Uh, let's go back to CNN. And uh, here we go. So, um, uh, the industry's global weekend expectation is as high as $140 million, says Deadline. Uh, I should go to Deadline. It's a Deadline headline. Um, but, I mean, $140 million is huge coming out of the pandemic. Um, let's see. Fandango says advanced ticket sales have set a 2021 record, which means Black Widow has surpassed Fast and Furious 9, F9, which was June's big mile marker for the movie business. On Fandango, the movie, quote, is also beating pre-pandemic Marvel titles Spider-Man Homecoming Doc and Doctor Strange. Um, this is the first Marvel theater release, the first Marvel MCU release since Endgame in April of 2019. Holy. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Because uh, Spider-Man Far From Home came out in July. So this would be the first one since July of 2019. And that is, that's two years. That's two full years without a, a, a new MCU movie being released. That's insane. At this point, considering how well that uh, f- series has done, that, that franchise, that... that um, property what is the word i'm looking for it's not frame i don't want to say franchise that um brand i guess brand the mcu is a brand and uh, two years without one when they're rolling them out three or four at a time each year Oof. uh it becomes available on disney premier access on friday as well with a 30 dollar u.s price point i think it's 35 in canada so I'm thinking about it, but I don't know. Um, Deadline uh, Deadline team said Black Widow could weave between weave ah, spiders between eighty and ninety million in four thousand one hundred theaters, while Disney is conservatively eyeing seventy five million over three days stateside. Uh, either way, that would be a pandemic era record. F9 netted 70 million domestically in its first weekend. Holy shit. Um, yeah, anything. Uh, as pandemic, as the pandemic recedes in the U.S., box office returns have been shaky. Yeah, you know, it's going to take a while before people trust going to a theater again. Uh, there have been a few breakout hits, namely F9 and A Quiet Place Part 2, but big misses too, like In the Heights. Folks are returning to theaters, quote, but they're doing so selectively. Washington Post Stephen Zitchik, or Zitchik, uh, wrote last week, and those who work in Hollywood are trying to decipher why. Because, because we're we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Sure, we're near, uh, near the tail end of it, but we're we're still in it. it. It's it didn't magically disappear. So, yeah. Oof. That's why something like Disney Premier Access is cool. I will, uh, I'm gonna fire up my Apple TV, uh, on my actual television and, uh, plug in my, I haven't seen whether Disney is available on it. Plug in my, uh, my password 
and maybe actually watch some shit on 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 this fucking 55 inch screen that i never turn on i had to dust it the other day i haven't turned this damn thing on in months <laughs> uh what else uh quick some headlines and then we'll wrap it up because we're at like 43 i think right now uh, CFL and N and XFL. CFL and XFL end talks for potential partnership. I'm not upset by this. I'm sure that The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, yeah, he bought the XFL. Um, I'm sure that Dwayne and his uh, business partner, ex-wife, Danny Garcia, uh, which is funny to me because I know a wrestler named Daniel Garcia. <laughs> uh, they were talking about collaborating somehow, and I'm sure, I'm sure it's it, it turned into exactly the same kind of stupid bullshit uh, that happened 20 years ago when Vince McMahon tried to buy more than 20 years ago now when Vince McMahon tried to buy the entire league. And we've talked about this before. We talked about this when the potential of a partnership between these two leagues was announced a few months back. Um, they were trying to find an owner for the Toronto Argonauts. They contacted Vince McMahon. He asked them if he could buy the entire league. They said, no, piss off. <laughs> and he created the XFL. <sighs> and I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, the Rock's plans got a little invasive for the CFL. And I, <laughs> Listen, maybe it's a Canadian identity thing. I, I, I prefer that the CFL be protected and not over. I wasn't a big fan when they had American teams in the league in the, in the mid nineties. Uh, anyways, yeah. the, the, the talks for a partnership are over. So let's get on with it, kids. Uh, Star Wars, the book of Boba Fett. We now know it's going to be released in December. Um, let's see here. Um, the Book of Boba Fett will be executive produced by John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Robert Rodriguez. That's cool. And Kathleen Kennedy. Um, Tamora Morrison and Ming-Na Wen are expected to reprise their roles as Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. I heard somebody online doing some um, uh, recaps, rundowns of Bad Batch episodes, and they kept pronouncing it Fennec Shand, and I'm like, fuck, dude. Watch the show. They say Shand on the show. Why are you saying Shand, you weirdo? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, here we go. Uh, at this time, there's no official date for Book of Boba Fett's release, and the episode count is unknown. However, the show is expected to arrive on Disney Plus in December 2021, while a number of projects have been delayed due to the ongoing pandemic. Uh, filming on the Book of Boba Fett concluded in June, indicating that the series will hit its release date. N release window, excuse me. Nice. Nice. Uh, so 2021, December of 2021. Great. Um, okay. Real quick, a story that I saw on uh, on the news uh, last night that is popped up on BlogTO. Uh, 
their headline for it is, Someone stole a kitten from a farm near Toronto, and the owners are asking for help. This, I, the story I saw was on City TV News here in Toronto, and it made me sad because it was a coordinated, scummy effort by a family. They, on the, um, it's a farm in Markham, Ontario, and they have, they let people, you know, pet some of the animals, right? Goats and, you know, whatever. Uh, and they have some, some cats that, uh, run around the property. So you, you know, it's got a, they got a general store kind of thing. And, but they got some cats that run around the property and they, they take care of pests. They take care of rodents and, and the like. And their cat had kittens. And, um, so on, here's the story. On July 3rd, someone stole a kitten from Karma Farms in Markham, prompting the owners to post to social media in a desperate attempt to try and get the kitty back. Uh, quote, it's unbelievable to me that I even have to make this post. The post begins. Um, here's from the post on Instagram. Uh, yesterday afternoon, someone took one of our kittens. There was a family that was walking around with Copy, our little boy kitten. We were busy, and I wasn't able to go over and tell them to bring him back to the to the barn. So basically, they took the, they picked the cat. They saw this. They picked the cat up. I saw it on their. They got cameras. They picked the cat up and took him over to this little picnic area that they have there, where people who can they can buy food, whatever, and they can sit down and they can eat. So they picked the cat up from the barn and took him over to this area. Okay. Um, and then what she said uh, in, in, on the news last night was they saw these people get into a minivan and they had like a bucket with them. And I'm sure it's like a basket for uh, for whatever fruit or vegetables that they're they're getting they they had a basket and they were like covering the basket and they got in and they they took off and then they couldn't find the kitten and they put two and two together so uh here's the rest of this post um not sure why you think this was okay to do as that kitten belonged to us and our family we hope your children are happy with their new kitten and we just want to let you know how devastated our kids are that someone would steal a kitten from our family unfortunately we cannot get a clear enough shot on our security footage to post a picture of the family otherwise we would be doing that so everyone else would know what kind of parents you are it's that's fucking gross. That is is shameful, absolutely fucking shameful. And um, what they what they said? Oh, there's a picture of the kit, the rest of the kittens. There's a picture of the rest of the kittens sleeping in one of the baskets. And it just makes me sad that you know there's three of them sleeping there together. There should be a fourth. They said on the uh, on the news, look, just bring them back. Bring it back. No questions asked. You just bring them back and put them in the barn and and that's it. Um uh, Unfortunately, a drawback to having livestock is there are always rodents around and the cats help keep them in check. Copy is one half of a pair born at the beginning of March. 
who the family got in May. Uh, her sister's name is his sister's name is Cat. So copy and Cat. Uh, and they're both black cats. They they look the same except for a little extra streak of white hair on one of them. Apparently, uh, up until now they had stayed in the barn, which they knew as their home. But in the past week, have been venturing outside the barn uh, to meet people and explore. Please, I there's no chance anybody in this family is gonna hear this show. I just I don't have that kind of reach. But, God forbid I do, please bring this cat back. Please bring this cat back to the family who owns it and the f- its family of cats. You don't just steal a cat unless you're a soulless, selfish fucking monster. Bring the cat back. Oh, I, I just... Like if I if I knew who they were, I would I would take the cat from them and bring it back. Oh, we got a black cat. You monsters. You absolute monsters stealing somebody's pet. Oh boy. Anyways, okay. <laughs> what a downer to end today's show on. I'm going to go answer this email from uh, from Paul Fletcher's office, and hopefully I can record that uh, this afternoon. Um, yeah. Uh, what can I tell you? So uh, tomorrow, Friday, uh, Patreon episode. And then uh, Monday, hopefully, I'll be bringing you this Paula Fletcher, Paula Fletcher interview. And... Uh, you know, the ball keeps rolling. Um, in the meantime and in between time, guys, gals, non-binary pals, you can find me on all social media at my name is Kingdom, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and of course the aforementioned and very important Patreon. Join, join the family, join the pop culture cult. Go to patreon.com slash my name is Kingdom. Uh, help me keep things rolling here. Um, the more people who join, the more I can do. Uh, yeah, I might also draw a comic strip before I go to sleep or finish drawing a comic strip. And Chloe is lying on her back next to the dining room table leg and staring at me, just staring at me. (laughs) I love this cat. Um, yeah. Okay, that's it. Um, Take care of one another. Find some good trouble to get into. I will uh, talk to some of you tomorrow. In the meantime, remember, your Uncle Kingdom loves you. See you later. Bye.